want to get into our message today. We're going to have some fun. Do you, do you like to have fun in church? Yeah. We're going to have some fun. And uh, th- th- this is my favorite service. It's the rowdiest service. I need you to be a little rowdy today. Let's be honest. You all come because you like to sleep in. And you've got all your sleep. And so now you've got all this energy to, to talk back to me in church. And that's okay. I don't mind it. But we're beginning a brand new series today called Slingshot. And what we're going to do in this series is look at a man named David and his battle with Goliath. Now, David, he is a well-known figure in Scripture, perhaps next to Jesus, maybe the most well-known figure in Scripture. And if by chance you're not really familiar with David, I'll kind of give you the highlights of of his life. He, He was Israel's most successful, most prominent most significant king. Uh, David, just as a a testament to to his reign, there are two entire books of the Bible devoted and dedicated to his reign as king. His reign marked the epitome and the pinnacle of Israel's history as a nation in, in the Old Testament. He's got two books that are Attributed to his reign, an early part of his life takes place in 1 Samuel, and there's 2 Samuel's his reign in 1 Chronicles. The, the Psalms, which is the largest book in the Bible, over half of those Psalms are attributed to David. His influence not only exists in the Old Testament, it extends to the New Testament, where he is recognized as the ans- one of the ancestors of, of Jesus. He, he is seen as this messianic figure. And he's also one of the most referenced and most quoted people in the New Testament, one of the most Old Testament figures quoted and referenced in the New Testament. Now, I'm just trying to help you see, like, like David, he, he, he's, he's big time. And with all of that said, it's interesting to me that his most famous moment, really what puts him on the map, his claim to fame, is something that happened before he was ever king, something that happened early in his life. And that is the story, as we know it, of David and Goliath. It takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And even if you didn't grow up in church, you're familiar with this story. I mean, it's been told so many times in in so many different ways. It's almost become a metaphor for underdog stories. And even though you could definitely make that application, what you need to know is that that is not the point of the story. Like the story of David and Goliath is not an underdog story. Even though that's what people know about, that's not the the point of it. The story of David and Goliath is a big God story. And just so you know, anytime God is on your side, you are never the underdog. (laughs) David clearly did not see himself that way. And even though you probably are familiar with the main points of the story, we're going to look at it every week. And as we encounter this story each week, we're going to discover five small disciplines that we can use to make a big difference in our life. Five five small disciplines. David had five smooth stones. We've got five small disciplines. And before I tell you our message today, what we're going to talk about, I want to tell you a little bit where we're going kind of a teaser so you, you know to come every week. I don't want you to miss a, a week. Now, next week, 
We're going to hear from a great friend of mine, Pastor Kyle Turner, uh, Pastor's Kingdom City Church in, in Kansas City. I don't know if he like took that from Chief's Kingdom or what, but it's Kingdom City Church, and, and uh, I'll pray for him. But uh, he's going to speak to us next week on this, Take Aim. That's week two, is, is Take Aim. Uh, the next week, week three, I'm going to talk to you about pull back. Week four, we're going to learn to let go. And then week five, you're going to learn to move forward. So week two is take aim, pull back, let go, move forward. And with these five disciplines, you're going to discover a secret weapon that can propel you into your future, your God-destined future. And I'm excited to, to see this from the different angles. I just got to tell like this story, um, it's the kind of scripture that you can read over and over and over again. In fact, to just visit this scripture one time would be a disservice to the scripture because there is so much in here. But I promise you, as we engage with it together, you are going to learn some new truths in your life. And this is going to be a secret weapon for your future in our series Slingshot. So with these things in mind, I want to read our scripture to you today. I'm going to jump in on the middle of the story. I promise you are going to get this whole story over the next several weeks. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, if you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right. 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant, hold up, Saul. Look, your boy has been keeping his father's sheep. A lion came, a bear came, carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it. I struck it. I rescued it. It turned on me. I, with my bare hands, seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed I mean, David is a tough dude. says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, I didn't need that detail, David, but this Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go, Lord be with you. And I don't know if that was like he was convinced or he was like, you need God's help with this. Like, I don't know. But that's what we want, right? As we go this year, we want God with us in everything we do. I want to skip to verse 40. It says, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the street, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, Approach the Philistines. The first lesson that we're going to learn today in our series slingshot of five disciplines, five small disciplines to make a big difference. This first lesson is this. We need to get a grip, to get a grip. Before you can take aim, that's next week, you first got to get a grip. I've heard it said that life is less about what happens to you and more about how you respond to it. Have you heard that, Brian? You guys heard that? It's more about your attitude, more about your outlook. I don't really like that quote, but I know that it's true, right? I've been following Jesus sincerely since I was 17 years old, turning 42 this year. Somebody said, you look good for 41. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
I went to the doctor this week, and they were talking to me like, well, this happens in your 40s. I was like, what are you talking about? Still a young man. But uh, that's beside the point. It's just therapy for me. I've been following Jesus now since I was 17, and uh, I've been there where I've been in situations I didn't like what I was going through, didn't like what I was experiencing, but I knew that what's happening to me is not nearly as important as how I respond to it. That my attitude is more important than my circumstance. That my outlook matters more than my experience. That what I think about God, what I think about God's word, what what I think about what he's spoken to me and the truth of God's word in my life, that carries more weight. It matters more how how I view that than, than what I'm experiencing. And while we can't control everything that we go into, what I've found is usually... When life feels like it's out of control, it's because there's a truth that I have failed to hold on to. When, when things are happening and I don't know how to respond, it's because I've, I've let go of a truth that I need to hold on to. That's what we find with salt. I don't have time to get into the details, but we are entering into a narrative with a king that has lost hold of his kingdom. He has lost hold of his kingdom because he has let go of God's promise and you read the story when it happens earlier in 1 Samuel. What's funny about it, ironic really, is that the way Saul loses hold of his kingdom is when he tried to take matters into his own hands. He had lost hold of God's promise, lost hold of who God is, and he had let go of his trust in God, tried to take matters into his own hands. And now where we're reading He's lost courage. And it's visible in this text because I, I didn't read it to you, but when we enter into the story, we're walking into it right when Goliath is taunting the Israelites. Let me just read this in verse 8. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now, the theory behind this style of combat is understood in the context of the ancient Near East. They believed that the fate of a nation was determined by the strength of their God. The Philistines worshipped a different God. The Israelites worshipped the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Jehovah. And so what they would do is say, hey, when we fight this battle, whoever God is stronger is the one that's going to win. So rather than waste all of these lives, let's just choose a champion and he'll represent our God and you choose a champion. He'll represent your God and whoever God is stronger, that's the one who's going to win. So let's settle matters that way. Well, 1 Samuel 17, 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, what's it say? They lost their courage, and were terrified. Now, the battle hadn't even started, but in Saul's mind, they had already lost. And the reason he felt like they had already lost is because he had already lost. He 
had lost his trust in God. And this is the first thing you need to understand when we're talking about getting a grip, is that before something ever gets lost, it first gets loose. Before something ever gets lost, it first gets loose. If you want to win in this season, I get it. New year, new you. Whoop-de-doo. You got goals? Great. You got things you want to see happen? You've got dreams, aspirations, things you want to be different. If you want to win in this season, it is going to require you to get a grip. You've got to tighten your convictions this year because once you start getting loose, it's only a matter of time before you get lost. Nobody just gets lost. You start by getting loose in your church attendance, getting loose in your Bible reading, getting loose who you hang out with, getting loose in your standards. Start doing stuff you said you would never do. Start going places you said you would never go. And when things get loose, it is just a matter of time before you get lost. And the great thing about a day like today, the first Sunday of the year, a brand new year, is that it is a great opportunity to get a fresh grip on God. It, it is a great opportunity to renew your grip. It's a great opportunity to make clear your standards. It's a great opportunity to put up some boundaries. It's a great opportunity to reaffirm your commitments. That's why I like David's response. Because when we started reading, Saul had lost courage. He says, hey, Saul, I know you've lost courage, but I don't want you to lose heart. Don't lose your heart too. I'll, I'll go fight him. I know, I, I know you feel like you lost Saul, but, but get a grip. I can handle this. I, I, I got this. I, I'll, I'll go fight. I, I know you've lost courage. I know you've lost time. I know you've lost resource. I know you've lost credibility with people. I know you feel like you've lost opportunity. I'm telling you, you got to get a grip today. Now, as we get into the series, it's going to be very important that you understand this, this fundamental principle that all of us have giants. Get, get this. Your last giant is not your last giant. That's why the story resonates with all of us, because all of us have giants and all of us will have giants. Now, what I'm not trying to do today is to elevate your thing that you're facing to the level of Goliath from Gath. Like maybe, you know, you come in here like, okay, it's a new year, it's a new me, and I got some goals, and, you know, one of the things, I want to drop 10 pounds this year, and that's my giant. No, I'm not saying that's your giant. But I also, I'm not trying to minimize whatever seems big to you. And... What I want you to get that maybe you've never really thought about is that you rarely, if ever, get to choose your giants. You rarely, if ever, get to choose your fight. You rarely, if ever, get to choose your battles. 
And I, I know we jump into the story. And David, he, like, has such conviction. He almost comes off cocky as he's responding to this giant before him. But what I need you to see is that David had no intention when he woke up this day that he was going to have a battle. You read the story in the context. There is nothing to take from the text that David had any idea that when he woke up, he was going to be facing Goliath that day. What happened? His father woke him up. David was an errand boy. He says, hey, I've got some bread and some cheese. Shout out to carbs and dairy in the new year. And he says, I want you to go take these to your brothers. So he goes running errands. When he gets there, Goliath is there taunting them. They're lined up for battle. And I bring that up because if you're going to get a grip this year, if you're going to start with this discipline, you need to know that we don't always choose our battles, but we must choose to fight. You don't always get to choose your Goliath. You get to choose your giant, but there comes a point where you have to push back. And I say that because I wonder how many of us are praying for God to get us out of something that God has actually brought us into so he can bring something out of us. We're, we're praying, God, get me out. God's trying to do something in. We want to change our battles. God wants to build our faith. And I, I need you to grasp this because Goliath, your giant that you didn't choose, it's actually God's vehicle for promotion. The, the greatest seasons of growth in my life have always been from the battles I didn't expect to fight. And if you miss this because you're trying to get out of something, you're, you're, you're trying to get out of something that God has actually brought you into, you will miss the lesson and miss the growth simply because you don't like the fight. Again, you, you aren't always able to choose your fight, but you must choose to fight. You get to choose what you face, but you do have to choose to fight it. And that's what we see with David. He knew Goliath was an opportunity, not a death sentence. And what we often don't realize is that we need a Goliath in our lives because Goliath is our opportunity for what's next. And I will show this to you because Goliath is really interesting. Goliath, of course, is the name of this Philistine, the name of this giant. But Goliath is a Hebrew word. And, and the Hebrew word is interesting because Goliath means to reveal. Goliath means to uncover. Now, scholars say that Goliath, the, the reason he was named Goliath, or the interesting part about this is that it reflects his propensity as a warrior to expose his opponent's weakness. But I want to suggest to you that the giant you're facing is actually revealing God's purpose in you. That the giant you're facing is uncovering a truth. That greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. That bigger is the God that's on the inside than the giant I'm facing on the outside. The truth is, without Goliath, you don't get exposed to it. Goliath reveals something about God that you didn't know before. Goliath, he ushers you into your calling. He 
uncovers your gifting. Goliath makes known your anointing. Goliath pushes us to fast and leads us to pray. And if I don't encounter Goliath, my character does not get developed to carry what God put on me. God uses giants. God uses Goliath to develop what's in us and call it out of us. That's what Goliath was doing. He was calling out a champion. Calling out a champion. But it didn't, didn't seem like he was calling out a champion. It just sounded like a taunt. You know, the devil knows the taunts to use against you. And one thing you got to know, like, this is just going to help you out. Like, Jesus calls Satan a liar and the father of lies and says there is no truth in him. Now, that doesn't just mean that he lies. It means that he cannot tell the truth. So when the devil comes at you whispering in your ear some lie about how you're not going to make it, the good news is you know the exact opposite is true. And so it sounded like a taunt, but it was the same taunt that caused Saul to retreat that made David respond. And on the surface, it looked ridiculous because faith always looks ridiculous. In fact, one translation of this verse, I want to read it to you. That's what Saul said. He said, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. See, the miraculous and the ridiculous are always connected, always connected. We're launching a new season. Anytime you see that wall change out there, you know it's a new season. And I'm going to teach on it in coming weeks, not this series, but it's called Miracles Ahead, Miracles Now. Here's what you got to know. The, the Bible is a book full of, of miracles, people who needed a miracle, and a God who gave an instruction. Anytime you see a miracle you will always see an act of ridiculous faith. Usually in response to an instruction. Many times we miss the miracle in our life because we don't like the instruction. We want God's best, but the instruction looks ridiculous. Like, God, I don't, I don't know that I, I like this. You see, God doesn't just want to do stuff for you. He wants to do stuff in you. That's why the thing that God will ask you to do will always push you out of your comfort zone. And last time I checked, outside of my comfort zone means it's uncomfortable. That means it doesn't feel good. But I've learned that something doesn't just have to feel good for it to be God. That's why like people they get bent out of shape sometimes because it's like, I want God's best for you. And I want you to go through essentials. I want you to get in a group. I want you to get on a team. I want you to begin to give and trust God with your finances and tithe and trust him with the first. I say that and it's like, I don't know. That doesn't really feel good. It doesn't have to feel good for it to be God. Most of what God is going to tell me to do is going to take me out of my comfort zone. And if it's outside my comfort zone, it's going to be uncomfortable. Okay. Enough time with that. Let me get into this. It's going to not always make sense. That's the point. But David went on. He said, look, I've been keeping my father's sheep. Lion and a bear came. 
carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. What's that mean? I, I grabbed hold of it. I got a grip on it, struck it, killed it. I've killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. What's that tell us? Get this. You want to get a grip? That faith sees what the facts miss. You have got to grab hold of this. Faith sees what the facts miss. This is different than what Saul said. Saul said this looks ridiculous. David said, I, I got this. Now understand, Saul's fear was justified. It was. Goliath is a bad dude. Scripture says he was over nine feet tall. And it, it talks about his armor and all this kind of stuff in there. He was scary. I, I kind of like how it talks about it in that scripture. Because he's like, look, you are just a boy. This guy has been a man of war from his youth. Like, like man of war. He's like, hey, you're a boy. This, like, you know that kid in seventh grade who had a full beard, tattoos, and had been to jail three times? You know who I'm talking about? He's like, that's this. He's like, you're a boy. This guy was a man when he was a boy. You don't have a chance against fighting this dude. His fear was justified. He wasn't making this up. But faith sees possibility in the impossibility. Faith looks for what God can do in the midst of a problem. Faith sees what the facts miss. Saul saw a big giant David saw a big target. Saul thought David was too small to fight. David thought Goliath was too big to miss. I'm trying to help you understand. Faith is seeing the same thing a different way. Same problem, different perspective. Same situation, different outlook. Same relationship, different attitude, same job, different approach. Faith sees with a different perspective and faith sees what the facts miss. I'll show it to you another way. I said, you're a boy. He's a man. That's true. But God saw something different. Sometimes you, you need a but God in your life. But God saw something different. I don't know if you, you know this. David was a boy. But before David had even been anointed to be king, God said something different about David. You can read it in 1 Samuel 14. I think it's verse 13. But it's echoed in Acts verse 22 of chapter 13. I want to read it to you. It says, God spoke favorably about David before he was ever anointed. He said, I have found that David, son of Jesse, is a what? He's a man after my own heart. He'll do everything I want him to do. Saul, he saw a boy. God saw a man. Saul saw a kid. God saw a king. Saul was looking for a warrior, but God was looking for a worshiper. I'm not saying that the facts aren't real. I'm just trying to help you see that faith sees 
what the facts miss. And in this season where we are believing, trusting that there are miracles ahead and miracles now, I'm not asking you to deny the facts. I'm just asking you to lean into what God has said and grab hold of it, to get a grip on it. This is why you gotta come to church every week because you need to hear how God sees you. You need to be reminded of what God has said about you. You, you, you need to get this in your spirit so you can grab hold of it because if you take this influence out of your life, you stop this, let me tell you, there is always gonna be a Saul around the corner. Reminds you of your inadequacies, speak to you about your insecurities. That's why you gotta get in a group. That's why you gotta join a team. You need church community. You need some people that are gonna pray with you and pray for you. Speak God's word over you and in you and watch it come out of you. You, you need this in your life. It's gonna help you get a grip. It all starts with grabbing hold of the truth that God has said. I don't have this verse for you on the screen, but you might just write it down. I was reminded of it before I walked out here. It's in Hebrews 10, 23. He says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because he who promised is faithful. And the next verse says, therefore, let's not neglect gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but rather let us encourage one another, spur each other on in good works. Why? Because you need it to get a grip. You need God's people in your life to fulfill God's purpose for your life. You want to move forward this year? Launch forward in all God has for you. This is your secret weapon, but it starts by getting a grip. Don't let things get loose in your life. Make this the day, make this the year that you tighten up some convictions. Make this the day that, that you renew, you reaffirm some commitments you set in place some boundaries. You, you establish some standards. Let God begin to work in your life. I know you might be going through something you didn't choose, but you gotta, you gotta choose to fight it. I know, what it. I know what it looks like, but faith sees what the facts miss.